everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and this is episode 273. We're getting closer and closer to that 300. I actually don't know who's going to be number 300 because I haven't figured out, haven't done the, all the math with all the people in the scheduling, but I'm super excited to have you back on. I know we tried to do this a couple weeks ago, yeah. and Hurricane Michael messed yeah, up our yeah, audio. Yeah, yeah. So, so can I do another 27 shows so I can be 300? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so today's a big day for yes. um, Logo Lounge because yes. today, so this happens once a year, right? Well, actually it happens about every year and a half to two years. Okay. Yeah. So this, so this is not something that happens every year. Every it's not just year. Halloween. Right. But it, today is the last day that you can sign up and it upload is. your logos. You are not limited by number, right? No, no, uh, it's, you, and, and let's get this whole commercial thing over with now so that I don't feel so icky. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, Local Lounge um, does this about every two years, as Diane indicated. And one of the things that happens here is that uh, you have to buy a membership. It's a hundred bucks. Let's just get that out of the way here. But it's usable all year long as this amazing resource um, for inspiration and um, uh, as you're doing your research on uh, any identity design, but you can upload unlimited logos. And if you're really smart and you picked up a membership today, you can upload for this book. And then anything that's uploaded from tomorrow on is eligible for the next book. So there you go. Awesome. So to me, this is the best resource for, I mean, it's, it's an actual book it, and you get, there are yeah. people yeah. who are, it's not just Bill and his crew doing these selections. Oh, no, 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 no. You have yeah. different people each year for each book are doing these selections. So this is a, a huge yeah. honor, but think about any other competition that I know of, none of them are less, most of them are like $250 per one piece, right? Yeah, so to yeah. me, this is really huge. Pricey. So not yeah. only as a huge resource, but it's also from all over the world. Yeah, so so we literally have thousands of members from more than a hundred countries around the world. I didn't know there were that many countries, uh, you know, around the world. But it's one of those deals where the the jurors for this, and if you uh, anybody who knows anything, um, our juror chair this year is uh, Sagi Haviv uh, from Chermaap and Geismer and Haviv. Uh, you know, um, the uh, I'm I'm going to just run through the list. So Marina Willer, uh, who is a partner in Pentagram. Uh, in the London office, um, both um, uh, Ryan Rhodes and his partner, uh, Caleb, from Land in Austin, Texas. We were talking about Austin just mm -hmm. a minute ago. Uh, Jaron Van Erden from uh, the Netherlands, Holland. Um, George Bakwa from the Eastern Bloc somewhere in there, but he's in New York, New York, so yeah, he counts. Gabby Brink from uh, Taparo Partners. Um, who am I missing here? Uh, Jay Fletcher from uh, South Carolina. And somebody is going to club me. Oh, and Jin Hood from Hoodspa. You know, um, the good hood, by the way. And by the way, she's bringing the queso to the party. So you know that it's going to be a serious party when all the judges get together. Um, but I mean, what an incredible panel. And as we were talking just a minute ago, there are, if, if for no other reason, go to Logo Lounge today and keep hitting refresh because on the front page of Logo Lounge, you always see 
up in the corner, the logo that was most recently updated. And logos are, there will literally be close to 10,000 logos uploaded to the site just today. It, it, it's always like that on the final day. And I, I, I'm always sure that it's going to break, but it doesn't. But you can sit there and every time you renew, that logo changes. And it's just amazing to see the content kind of come flying in. So these, this is book 11 and it says yep. on, and I'm going to just switch real quick so people can mm. see this um, mm -hmm. while we are talking about it. Sure. So Logo Lounge for anybody listening, L-O-G-O-L-O-U-N-G-E. And so yep. here is this most recently added. And then is this how many has just been added for this one no, that's that's the total number on the site, okay. and I've got to put my glasses on. Getting close to it's two hundred ninety-four thousand eight hundred fifty-three. Um, and I think when we put out the call for entry, that we are around two hundred and sixty-five thousand, maybe something like that. So you know, it, it's just an incredible number of logos that are coming. We we were just talking, you know, what an amazing honor it is to be included in this thing if they pick your work because if you think about it, there's 2,500 logos that end up in one of these books um, along with all of the case studies and everything else. But 2,500 out of 30,000 plus exceptional logos that have been entered just for the book, um, it's got to be the largest competition period in design. Yeah. So, what, One of the reasons, I think, is because it is affordable, but it's the only competition that I know of that actually is serves also as a resource. So to me, it's, yeah. um, it's yeah. a great thing that you have, you, it's kind of a membership and then you upload, so you get, I don't know, I just think yeah. it's so let's, great let's, value. Let's put the competition and the book aside for a second. Okay. Let's, let's just talk about the site, which is so cool, because... Here, here's how this whole thing kind of quasi came about was the idea that everybody has books of logos in their office, you know, and, and they feel good and they're wonderful to hold and touch and likes. But if one of our designers was saying, um, let's say they were designing a logo and they wanted to use rabbits as a reference, mm -hmm. they could literally sit there and they could page through and post it note rabbits in, you know, books for eons. The idea was, you know, if you could go to eBay and you could type in the word teapot and all of a sudden these teapots that were for sale around the world showed up, then gee, we've got all the technology here. So we invented Logo Lounge. And the idea is you go to Logo Lounge as, as a member, you have lots of ways that you can search, but you put in the keyword rabbit and what's gonna happen is it's gonna say, great, we've got 1500 rabbit logos in here with that as a keyword and it pulls those up. Or you can say, I want just the good ones. So you can home down in and there are ways that you can kind of go, well, you know, just show me better ones, 750. Show me better ones than that, 350. Show me the only the ones that have been in the books, 100 of them. So that you can use this as reference and research and it's so highly contextualized that you can sit there and you can search by keyword or by industry mm -hmm. or by designer or by the date or by regionality of it or where it's come from in the world. And there's so many ways you can search throughout this database and you know 300,000 logos which is about where they are that's like that's more than a quarter of a million I don't have a quarter of a million anything in my mind you know right but that many logos you know that are there and really quality so to me another thing that's yep. really cool is that this also like 
spurred, I don't know, spawned um, out oh. of just you being a designer and you needing a resource and needing yeah. something. This wasn't like, hey, this is a great idea to make some money. This was something <laughs> that was came out of, and now you've brought us along, yeah. you've shared, yeah. and this is book 11. So this is not like- Book 11. Just happen. I mean, you've grown this, for, but this was not your focus. This was this was just no. a, a part of something okay, else you were so, doing on the side. This was a side it, project. That's exactly it. And so, <laughs> this is kind of like my Christmas today, you know, in a way with all this going on. But uh, in actuality, what you see back behind me is the rest of the office. So, um, this is Gardner Design. Mm -hmm. We develop branding. And, you know, and, and we've got a bunch of amazing designers that really do it really, really well. But we've always had this passion for identity design. So starting back in 2001, when we started this up, it kind of, uh, you, you probably can't see a building, but it's a two-story building in here. And uh, the upper level of this building is our conference room. And then back behind, there you go. Uh, it's on the old historic register, but back behind is uh, uh, part of this building, which is Logo Lounge. So mm -hmm. it's got our people that are up there uh, managing it, Ellen Healy and Ellen Mosman, who we all know as Elmo, and Troy Tabor, and they pull this together and manage this thing year round so that, uh, I mean, yeah, it costs to have a membership, but it also costs to run this site and to be able to provide these, you know, um, different resources uh, to designers. But, uh, but it's gosh, really enough with the inexpensive, to be honest. It's a, it's a really great resource for yeah. the amount of money that it is. It's oh, really not that much. The other thing, hey, you want a free account? You're an educator. Right. Right. And right. You were just talking about the uh, the class in Mississippi. Yep, my friend Kent. Kent, um, whether you know it or not, we've got a program called Logo Lounge Leap, which is just for educators, and we will set you and your class up with an account that is absolutely free of charge for your research. You can't upload to it, but you can use it totally for all the research that goes on. And if you will contact me, I'll put you in touch with, or he you did. can just. He did last go. time. Perfect. He was watching last time. But here's the thing. A student yes. can upload. They can get a cheaper membership, right? It's yep. $50. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the so $100 member, dollar membership is $50 for students. Um, they can pick that up while they're a student and if they want to upload. Or they can just, if they just want to use it as a resource, they can use it for free. So either But way. it is a huge resource. And so uh, um, teachers should, uh, educators, whether it doesn't, I don't think it matters if it's um you know, university or uh, I guess even high school, there's some design. Yep. Kevin Green yep. went to a high school it's that true. had design. And we've got and members it, in high schools as well as colleges, universities, design schools. It's, you know, it's for educators and, edu and students. Right. Okay. So. Okay. We're, we're gonna, done commercial. Let's so one of the things that I love <laughs> when I, when I talked to you at Creative South, one of the things yep. that I love was that um, when we talked about uh, work or when we've done these tests and we've talked yep. about, you have, been growing your business for a, a good many years. It's not like last Since week or the first week, right? Yep, yep. So yep. lots of things have changed. I think I even mentioned um, last time Joe Bosack. I think we talked about how yeah. Joe does a ton of uh, branding for schools and. Uh, He's amazing, by the way. He is. We worked and, together actually on the Wichita State project. He did the oh, shopper cool. and we did the school's uh, identity. So. Well, he's going to be on the show maybe in January. You're so lucky. He would. We got to get. Yep. We got to get a date settle down but to be able to have worked in the 80s 
And yep. then now you can't be designing the same. You have to be able to be flexible, but yeah. there are some things that you have maybe innately, maybe it's personality because you have a great personality, <laughs> but there's some things that you learn as you go yep. about running a business. Sure. So some things about being things in the office. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was about mastering that client buy-in. So mm -hmm. how do you know? So, you know, when you're first starting out in the eighties, it's right. harder to sell a client or whenever, even if it's today, right? It's harder. Yep. You're straight out of school or you're just getting started. It's harder to sell somebody because you don't have that. All you have behind you is maybe a degree or a piece sure. of paper or, or some work, a portfolio yep. behind you if yep. you don't have a degree with it. So how, how, how has that changed? And because one of the things I think a lot of people have, no matter where they are in their phase is it's about the sell. You have to yeah. sell them on why this logo, why they wanted the one with the purple thing, but you really think the one with the orange thing is better. And you have to explain to them why. And I always think of it, how I talk about it in school is you're the lawyer and you're sure. doing your case. You know, you can't yeah. just say, well, I feel like he's innocent. No, you have to prove that he's innocent and you have to prove why that logo is better. Yep. Yep. So can you talk a little about talk how that changed? So here, let me try and give your audience a frame of mind to kind of pursue this in. Um, and this, this, is, this is going to sound um, uh, wrong initially, but let me, let me just say it. Quit thinking about yourself. Mm. Think about your client. And, mm. and I'm not scolding anybody. I'm, 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 what I'm doing is I'm saying, you know what, um, through school, you're working on projects that may have been assigned to you, but you're pretty much going, oh, I think I'm going to do a uh, logo for a toy company, or I think I want to do something for, you know, you're, you've gotten to that point now where no longer do you get to pick and choose your clients. <laughs> you, you can to some degree, but I mean, the projects that you're going to be working on, people have, you know, I mean, they're investing their money in you right. and in fabricating this because they need an outcome. And a little bit of business never hurts. They're, they're looking for a return on investment, an ROI. And, you know, all of a sudden we're talking business. We're designers and we're kind of going, yeah, I want to design something really cool. Well, you can still design really cool stuff. And, and that's important because you're going to show the client the value in that. But you, the first thing that you have to do is move yourself from that designer's perspective and into the client's perspective mm -hmm. and what their objectives are. And you, you know, uh, you, you've got to realize that your client really doesn't care what shade of green you do. <laughs> your client doesn't really care if that line is of equal weight. Mm. You do. These are things that you still need to be conscious of and you still need to be, you know, uh, in order to create great design for them, you still have to have that aesthetic, you know, uh, license in your mind that you know that I'm not going to give that up. But at the same time, you really have to realize what the client has asked you to do. So right. when a client comes to you and says, I want you to design a logo for me, what are they really asking? You know, they're, they're not really asking for a picture. You know, it, it, and, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll kind of go, what do you think a good brand is going to do for you? Mm. And let them kind of explore that with you. Let them talk to you because pretty soon you're going to find out that uh, they, they really haven't given a great deal of thought to this. And one of the things that you do as a designer 
is you help them understand what it really does. And you've got to get yourself out of that perspective of, well, it's going to look cool. Right. <laughs> well, the fact that it looks cool doesn't turn it into dollars for them. And, you know, what they're doing is they're investing in you because they want to see that return on investment. Um, so, really, and it is it's a lot of yeah. times it's a really big investment. And so then absolutely people, people have come to you because there's, uh, maybe you, you've won awards or your notoriety or it's yeah. word of mouth, but it's also that it's, and sometimes they don't have an idea exactly of how it's going to be used for. Sure. So a lot of it's in asking the right questions, right? Yep. yep. You know, one of the things that, um, there, there are a couple of things that I'll share with audiences, uh, and, and you and I have talked about this, but uh, you, you happen to know that I have a, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at what I'm wearing. I've, I've got to comment on what I'm, what I'm wearing because <laughs> it might be knocking out lights. This is actually, um, this is actually a Logo Lounge jacket, and there's oh, the I Logo see. Lounge patch, and you probably saw some of these down at uh, Creative South, but we went out because when Logo Lounge goes out and does an event, we bought um, on eBay. We went in and we typed in ugly orange jacket and we bought everything that came up and we put patches on them and we wear these things to events. So this being Halloween, we keep them in a the closet in the back of the office and I didn't have anything. So I just pulled it out and I put it on the, there's my outfit today. Okay. Enough, enough with it that. It works. So excellent. Glad to hear it. So let's go back to this. Um, I have two degrees. I have a degree in business and I have a degree in fine arts, which is in design. And um, I started out in, in business and not knowing I was going to go into design, but loved design and ultimately ended up going there. Um, so I, to some degree, have this kind of double mind perspective of, you know, I probably maybe understand business a little bit better than some designers do. So I, I know what people are uh, looking for to some degree, but it's, it's no great secret. Here is the big difference between the brain of a person in business and the brain of a designer is that what we do as designers is highly subjective. And subjective is an important word here. What business does is highly objective. Mm. Okay, quick definition difference. If I take 10 designers, pick out your best friends, and you pull them together, Diane, and we, and we say, here's this project, come up with a logo for it. All 10 of them are going to come up with entirely different logos. Right. They could all be genius logos, just amazing logos that really capture that client. If I go to 10 accountants and I give them a column of numbers and I say, add these up, they better damn well all come up with the same final right. figure on the bottom. So... In business, there are often very objective answers that they are looking for. And especially when you go into the office of a C-level person, you know, CEO or a CFO especially, the first thing the CFO is going to ask is he's going to say, or she's going to say, can you, can you show me where the return on investment on this is going to exceed how much I'm going to pay for it? So you go in and you're going to sell them a brochure and you're going to charge them $20,000 to do that brochure. Can you show me where that's going to make 21,000? Right. Can you show me how that's going to bring money back to me? And, and that's always a challenge. And especially in marketing is, you know, how do you prove something like that? You know, right. I mean, 
no project would ever get off the ground unless somebody in that C-level position is able to see the subjective side of this long enough or at least have somebody nudge them to, to, to sign that check or give you that credit card number so that you can actually do this project. And so much of that is building that relationship with mm -hmm. the individual. Um, so, you know, uh, some clients happen overnight, but most clients are years in the making. So, most, so how, yep. that was my first question. How do you sure. obtain? So back in 83, how were mm -hmm. you obtaining clients? And you kind of talked about this last time, but I want you to kind of go back okay. to that. What, what were you doing at the beginning of your career? Because yeah. I think you kind of happened into it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh yeah, today I'm going to go out and get some clients. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, again, I, I come from an entrepreneurial family and uh, the, the first thing that you as a designer are going to do is start to look at those contacts that you have, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it may be people that you go to church with, or maybe people that are family members, or maybe the person down the block or an acquaintance of, you know, your parents or something like that. I mean, there's, there's always those out there. And honestly, those were some of my very first clients, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and there's people that I've just started to develop a relationship with. I will also tell you that word of mouth always hands down beats any other mm. uh, kind of marketing that's out there is a client that recommends you to somebody they know. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, you've got to do a pretty amazing job for that individual, for them to be willing to tell somebody else, you know, Diane does such an amazing job. She really took care of me and she really was concerned and empathetic. And I know that she knew what was going on here and she invested the time. So a lot of this is about developing those people over an extended period of time. And I, and I think I told you, and feel free to remind me because who knows what I tell people if I can ever remember it again. <laughs> but it's, you know, uh, one of the very first things that I did as a designer was instead of uh, joining a uh, design group and and I did that I mean I, I established I was the founder of the AIGA chapter here in Wichita so I certainly did that but was to join the Chamber of Commerce right you know, um, was to start to meet folks in business because designers are not gonna hire you right it's gonna be it's gonna be a business person that's gonna hire you you know um, and that that's how you're going to develop your reputation it's where the need is you don't go yes. to somebody who's already cutting their grass yep. if you're yep. a, if you have a lawn service you go to somebody whose grass needs cutting or their bushes need trimming and say hey I can offer you this so you have to go you have to know where to put your best skills. So going, That's doing something a perfect of the statement that you just made, because I, I know so many designers that sit there and they will mm -hmm. look at um, companies that are out there and they'll go, God, I would love to work for mm -hmm. Burton snowboard guys. Burton's already got it covered. Right? <laughs> they don't, they don't need you. I'd love to work for urban outfitters guys. Urban Outfitters already got it covered. They don't need you. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not to dissuade anybody, but it's those companies that you idolize and look at out there that you admire the work that has been done for them. Mm -hmm. Look at somebody else and say, I want to make them a Burton snowboard. Right. Or, you know, I, uh, I, I want to make them the next fill in the blank. Well, and I, I think that with students, I know that we've got Kent's class still, and yep. hopefully yep. my students maybe listen sometimes, but 
I think that it's when you decide where you want to work, you can't work and just do the same kind of work. You have to, that return on oh, investment yeah. for you when you're looking for a job, you have to be, or a new client, you have to see something that they aren't doing, that you yep. have skills that they don't already possess so that now they can offer more offerings. So say, let's go back to the lawn care. Sure. I have a mower but you have a, a weed eater or a bush trimmer or something. Now, if you come on board with me, now we can trim bushes and do the mowing. But yep. before that, I could only mow. Yep. So it's kind yep. of like with this new person. And I, I feel like some of it's just explaining that a lot of people are, clients can be very tight with their money. They don't really know how this is really going to make that big of a difference. But if you kind of have them envision where they want to go, I don't know if you ask, I always ask my clients, I say, what, what are your five year or 10 year goals? You know, what, yes. where do you want to be? Yeah. Especially for branding, because then yeah. you make them think about, is this a store? Is this, you know, what does this university look like? Even though if it's a university that was established a, in a, a long time ago, how does the university change? How does this logo help change that university so diane when you do a project do you do you put together and some people do this occasionally some people do it all the time but do you put together some kind of a design brief i do and i actually sit usually <laughs> i feel like there's something i think we should do something called design therapy because really that's what the the yep. initial contact with the client is it's like a two yep. hour for me because yep. i'm trying to get to know them and understand and sometimes i'm not always the best fit so i will try to fit, you know, and as I've learned, you know, you probably will do a custom typeface for somebody. I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anybody yeah. on my team that can do that. So I'll send it to somebody else. Sure. But if, you know, but now that's a question that I ask, you know, if they want something completely customized like that. So again, you learn as you go and things change. I used to always ask, what's your mission statement? Now that's not the cool word to ask. Yeah, you know, now we talk yeah. about core values. It'll go back around, you know, but you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, that's one of those I, statements. You know, so um, everyone that's listening out there, um, if, uh, if you were going to go on a trip somewhere and you, uh, you packed and you got road road snacks and you fueled up the car and you got in the car and you started it up and you pumped the gas and you said, Oh, I don't know where I'm going. Right. You know, you 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 probably didn't know where you're going. You didn't pack the right clothes because you didn't know if you're going where it was hot or cool or if it was a long trip or a short trip. So how can you possibly jump into a design project if you don't know where you're going? Mm. And the, the design brief is the roadmap that we use, which really tells our designers what it is we're trying to do. And, and here is the ironclad best thing about a design brief. And a design brief can just be a page. It can be two or three pages. It can be more than that, depending on how much you want to charge them. And by the way, clients love to pay for words. They really do. It, they, they find greater value in words than they do in our, in our design sometimes. Mm. But when you provide a design brief based off of that meeting that you have had with them yeah. about here's where we see this going and you come to a mutual agreement on that, when you actually get to that point where you're ready to present to them, mm -hmm. you're responsible for making sure that what you have designed 
meets the criteria and the objectives in the brief. Mm-hmm. But here's the secret to it is that when the client looks at it and you say, well, let's see, it meets mm-hmm. our criteria here and here and here, and these are your objectives and it meets you here and here. It's hard for them to go, well, I, you know, I don't like it. They may right. not personally like it, but as long as it meets those criteria that you've laid out inside of the design brief, mm-hmm. then you have succeeded. And, and if at that point they go, well, did you think about doing so-and-so? Then you've just opened the door to another project or additional funds for this project. And you know the fact that they've agreed at the beginning of the project where this is going keeps them from playing that game with you where you're mm-hmm. going, oh man, they keep changing their mind about what it right. is they want. You know, I mean, this gives you the focus that you need. It's that roadmap that you need. But it's that shared thing between you and the client. So mastering that client buy-in means that you, in the very beginning, after you've listened to them, you create a brief and you create uh, a set of goals that this logo will do. Or or anything that you do, this video will do, or this package will do, or that, you know, so... What what would be an example of uh, maybe a project that you've done in the past that you, um, what would, do you remember what some of the objectives or the the goals that you were saying, hey, because this is something Ian Padgett and I, and I know Mm -hmm. you're friends with him too. Oh yeah. He does. I was like, well, what do you do when somebody comes back and says, well, I just don't like it. Can you try this? Because this is exactly it, but it meets these three criteria that we established together. So can yep. you give me an example of a criteria? Yeah, and I will. But let me let me jump back to something you okay. just said about uh, uh, you know when when you come to that client, and they said, "Well, I just don't like it." Mm-hmm. You know, and and especially with young designers, this is something that you're gonna you you will never be able to satisfy every client that you have. Right. Just let me let me. But you you got to try damn hard because it's your reputation you're trying to satisfy here. You know that you want to maintain. But if you if you have a client that believes that, okay, let me use this as an example. If I tell you that for $5,000, I'm gonna design you a logo and we'll just keep going until we get you a logo mm-hmm. that you, you like, then you've just given yourself a life sentence because uh, they will continue to run you back and back and back and back until they see it and they know it. And that's the worst thing you could ever have from a client is a client that says, I'll, well, I'll, I'll know it when I see it, you know, because right. that's, that's no kind of a roadmap to work towards. So as long as they understand, and this is part of the design brief, is when I come back to you based on this design brief, we're going to show you five logos. We'll show you eight logos, whatever. If they know that if they go into another round, that it's going to cost them money, then all of a sudden they're not going to be as anxious to say, well, I just don't see anything I like because what they're really saying is I'm just not ready to make a decision yet. Right. You know, and so you've, you've got to put some kind of parameter on them to keep yourself from running yourself to death on this. So let me go back to your question, which was the, what, what are those criteria that uh, you put into a design brief? And yeah, the design brief, you know, is built out of that group of meetings that may be, uh, at the at the very least, a couple of hours to literally weeks of, you know, depending on the scale of project and what you're right. doing and the number of people you're going to be talking to. Um, 
uh, you know, it, you could have an entire group of stakeholders, you know, a board of directors or uh, owners of the business, or it may be family members, or it may be with the employees. And somebody may want you to visit with some of their clients and, or, you know, to, to investigate further some of the competition. So when we come back to uh, that client with the design brief, typically we generate about three paragraphs at the opening which kind of are a summary of what this project is before we ever even start to get into uh, the rest of the materials. We typically will put together a very modest SWOT in there. Um, mm -hmm. And for anybody who's not familiar, SWOT stands for, it's S-W-O-T, and it stands for streaks, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. Mm -hmm. And I suggest that you you look it up if, if you're not familiar. It's a with business it. thing, right? Yeah. So they do yeah. this in, in, they'll, in businesses. They'll, they'll get it. You know, strengths, we say, you know, uh, uh, strengths. You, you have a good, you know, you're, you're well recognized in the community. Uh, you have the right tools necessary to uh, perform your jobs. Opportunities, uh, you might want to hire you know, more people in the future or expand to a different city. Threats, uh, somebody else may, um, you know, so-and-so is expanding their business. So they might come in and uh, take that chunk of business, which currently you are the only ones that have. So SWATs, it, it starts to identify those areas that you need to be concerned with in there as you're thinking through this project that you're uh, going into with them. Then we, we always talk about the personality of a company. And this is getting deeper. And, and by the way, I'm, I've, I've got to just throw this out there. Uh, so if anybody is familiar with LinkedIn Learning, which used to be lynda.com, right. uh, go there. Uh, it is well worth your membership uh, for the amazing courses that they have online uh, learning. And it's, actually, if you go to lynda, L-Y-N-D-A.com, and type in Bill Gardner, one of the things that you're gonna see there is uh, a course on identity discovery, which is exactly what I'm explaining right now, um, which is an hour course that kind of goes into greater depth on this. But when we talk about personality, um, there was a study that uh, was a thesis that was actually created by Jennifer Ocker, who was from Stanford here uh, back in the late 90s. And she figured out that companies, much like individuals, have personalities. Mm -hmm. Well, we all kind of knew that. But what she did was she boiled it down to what she refers to as the big five, hmm. which are those five personality headers that have many traits under them. But the five are sincerity, excitement, competence, sophistication, and ruggedness. And within each of those five, you start to track that down. If I were to say sincerity, I might have Coca-Cola, I might have Disney, mm -hmm. Campbell's Soup, Pillsbury, uh, com companies that are uh, many times family-oriented, authentic, uh, wholesome, um, honesty, their word is their bond. Excitement. Excitement might be Urban Outfitters. It might be Burton Snowboards. It might be, mm. uh, and it, it depends on who the audience is you're talking to. To me, Airbnb is kind of exciting. It may be nothing to a younger audience, you know, uh, but it's something that gets your adrenaline pumping and gets you excited. Um, the third is competence. It's the companies like uh, Federal Express or Alexis or KitchenAid or, you know, something you press the button, it's assured that it's going to turn on. It's a guarantee. Google. Google, there you go. 
Um, the, the sophistication is kind of interesting because it cuts two ways. Sophistication could be for those who have a level of aspiration that want to be sophisticated, and it can also be those that have already reached a level of attainment um, in their uh, fashion brands. You know, it, it, it might be somebody you know that wants a Burberry scarf and always wears Burberry, but they can't afford their rent payments. You know, I mean, it's their, you know, they're tied to Burberry. Uh, uh, it, uh, you know, it, it could be expensive uh, liquors. It could be, bless your mother's soul. Uh, it could be, um, you know, uh, Dyson cars. It could be Dyson vacuum yep. cleaners, right? Yep. That has a you different sophistication. Very, yep. It could be price. Um, it's an expensive now, vacuum. But now, here's not. what you're starting to touch on that's going to be really important. Now, let me let me throw out ruggedness real quick, which okay. is, uh, you know, Dodge Ram, uh, Levi jeans, uh, yeah. um, you know, Caterpillar, so on and so forth, um, Timberland. But no company is just any one of these. Right. They're usually a blend. And here's how this works into a designer's vernacular. Uh, when we meet with a company, we come up with an agreement with them that you are 80% competence and 20% sophistication. Hmm. If that happens to be how it kind of boils down. Um, if you were to think about Apple, what's Apple? Apple is a certain percentage of um, sophistication mm -hmm. and a certain percentage of competence mm -hmm. and a little bit of excitement, depending on so, what, yeah. what the products are in there. Right. Doesn't hit ruggedness, doesn't hit sincerity. Nike, <laughs> what's Nike? Um, excitement. Nike is excitement and ruggedness. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of competence in there. So it's, you know, it's usually two or three of these and you look at the percentages. So as you are looking at logos, I want you to think about this. Hmm. Pull up some logos sometime and kind of go, okay, how do I see this logo? Is it, is it rugged? You know, uh, uh, so if you design something for a rugged company, what are you going to do? Probably not thin little type. Right. It's probably going to be heavier. Probably going to be some weight to it. It's probably going to be solid, you know, kind of um, use of shape in there as opposed to think back to Disney and Coca-Cola and Campbell's. Those are all script, aren't they? Right. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's this personal kind of, not that that's always the answer for that. Right. But you'll start to be able to kind of break identities out this way. So we actually build that into this design brief saying, okay, this is how we see your company. How do you see your company? Hmm. And you also have to kind of go, where do you want to see your company? Mm -hmm. You know, that's back to something you said earlier. It's, you know, it's looking at who they are five years or 10 years down the road, because we never design for who somebody is right now. Right. We design for who you're going to be. So, it's, you know, so this is what a design brief looks like. And again, if you go on to lynda.com or LinkedIn Learning and look my name up uh, under discovery and logo, you'll, you'll find the entire process. But so me, you know, it's really important. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So what about... So I, got I, pretty, I, I got pretty into it there. I'm I, sorry. I, no, I think that asked? was awesome. I think everybody okay. in the chat is also like, I, I took so many notes. At the bottom of my page, I'm going to have to flip my paper over. But I love that. I love So I talk about personality. I'm, I don't, yep. I'm actually going to now start using this because I think this is really great. Jennifer Ocker, by the way, double A-K-E-R, I believe. Uh, look her up. Okay, I will. So okay. what, when did you start doing that? Because right out of, 
business school did you start doing this no. or did you so so when because again i don't want people to be like oh my god they're doing this wrong but you can start today mm -hmm. right you can right. start today making these changes yeah. so but when our, in your career our, our process is continually changing you know um it almost embarrasses me when people say uh so so what's your process and i sit there well, you mean on the, the last time I did it? <laughs> what was it like then? Um, so, you know, you're going to acquire these uh, things over an extended period of time. And I probably didn't start really in with uh, looking at, we've always talked about brand personality, but this was a way that I could actually objectify it, mm -hmm. that I could, you know, start to bring it back in such a way that I could share it with that C-level person so that they understood it. Well, and it also um, gives you those objectives to be more objective at the end when you're pre presenting exactly. the logo to say, hey, we said it wanted to be 80% rugged and 20% exciting. This is what our, our factors are. Because those are the things I think that are harder for designers to say, well, I'm talking with my client. How do we know when it is done? You know, mm -hmm. they're not happy. So, so that's one example is personality. Did I get personality? What would be another example of like a, a, a goal? You know, here, think, think of this just real quick and then I'll shift off of that, which is that um, unless your, your tongue is much more skilled than mine, mm -hmm. um, the difference between Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola mm -hmm. is nominal. There are a couple of colas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like Coke, but you know, but Coca-Cola is squarely in sincerity from a personality standpoint. Mm -hmm. Pepsi-Cola is squarely in excitement from yep. a personality standpoint, yet they're both sugar water. Right. You know, if I were to take mineral water and I were to say, here's a can of LaCroix, and here's a can of Canada Dry, <laughs> you know, and I would pour them for you into a glass. You may not be able to tell me the difference, but LaCroix right. is definitely geared towards a millennial and a younger market. Mm -hmm. Canada Dry is geared towards a senior market, you know. So it's a personality right. uh, thing that divides, you know, the content. That, that product is homogenous. Mm -hmm. There's no – so design – ends up determining right. which one of those products the person buys because the product is basically identical. In them. Right. But that can, that design that you put into it is going to determine who's going to be excited about buying it. Um, uh, other things that ultimately go into uh, the design brief. A lot of times what we will do is we will find words that we find are uh, descriptive of this particular client. Uh, traits that we can associate with them, um, and it and it may be uh, integrity or honesty or um, uh, forward thinking or you know and 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 the unfortunate thing is I've never had a client that didn't say well we've got integrity and we're honest and we're forward thinking because everybody says those things right but you start looking for those things that are unique to them. Um, the other thing that is most valuable to me is I find that when I go in to talk to a client as we're gathering this information that and and some of it is very intuitive for me and it's mm -hmm. hard for some people that I don't go in with a set group of questions maybe it's because I've asked these questions enough time right. but I also know 
and I'm willing to bet you're the same way, that some of my favorite places I have ever been in my life were places I didn't plan to go to. They were places that I unexpectedly along the road took a detour and discovered them. And those are some of the best memories that I have. And companies are like that. When you get to talking to somebody, they have already thought about the fact that I want to tell them about so-and-so and I want to tell them about so-and-so and their answers are going to be highly skewed. And you really want to get to know the personality of this company as you're developing this brief. So, Chase some squirrels. Mm. When, you're, when you're talking to them, follow some directions that are unexpected, that they weren't planning on you going down. Right. And let, you know, it, it opens up their candid uh, conversation with you. And, you know, some of the very best identities that we've ever crafted, best brands, are based off of little nuances and stories that we never anticipated were coming. Um, years ago, there's a, uh, a substantial clinic here in Wichita that um, uh, was started by some doctors, but it uh, was in the early days of holistic medication. And uh, so it was kind of alternative medication, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at people's diets and a lot, of, a lot of things that people look at today, but maybe you know, 20, 30 years ago weren't looking at so much. Right. And we were interviewing the administrator there and she had this beautiful pearl necklace on and the founder of this organization had passed away a number of years ago. And she says, yes, Dr. Reardon gave me this uh, pearl. Um, do you know the story behind it? And I said, mm, no, I don't. And she said, well, you know, if you think about it, Dr. Reardon thought that this clinic was kind of like a pearl from this perspective. A pearl is basically a piece of sand or a burr that gets inside of an oyster. It is an irritant. And that irritant, the oyster starts coating the outside of it mm -hmm. until it becomes this pearl. Mm -hmm. and he says, he always looked at this clinic as kind of like an irritant to the rest of the medical community. Right. That he knew that if it was an irritant, it would allow them to think with and deal with him, you know, and create this coating around them, if you will, to right. make them more valuable to the rest of the world. And ultimately, we did this beautiful identity based off of this idea of a pearl inside of this oyster shell, you know, that uh, it, it was much deeper than that. But it ended up becoming, becoming a talking point for them. As they would talk to other people, they were able to share this story because it so perfectly described what they were capable of doing and what they had been doing for years. So it's but now it was an analogy that everybody could use, right? Yes, now it was exactly. A story. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I love that. That's a, that's a beautiful story. Isn't that a great story? It is. It's okay. So that you yeah. kind of touched on this. We're only on question two, so we'll probably have to do a part two here, Bill. <laughs> okay. Okay. So do you think, so you are very, you have a, a, you're very good with people. You're very warm. You have a great personality. As are you. <laughs> Thank you. So, but you don't take over, right? Like you, it, you definitely have um, a way of putting it so that people also feel important, which I think is probably one of your superpowers when you're talking to a client that it's not, you know, some designers are like, it's about me, what I can give you. But it that's, I, I really do feel like you're coming in and you're being part of the team mm -hmm. um, and you become and you really listen. So how do you feel like personality and warmth 
helps you build trust with those clients early on? Yeah. So, because part of it's innate with me, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, but uh, how would somebody who, who it, sure. they're not a, yeah. um, extrovert and they, how, how do they, how could somebody, so maybe somebody on your team that you've taught this or, mm -hmm. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, my, and, and, and there's almost nothing more embarrassing than when, uh, uh people on my team are in a meeting and they start, uh, talking to the client and I'm realizing that they're sharing my stories, uh, you know, which it, no, and, and they're, and they're welcome to, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, they're asking the questions that I'm accustomed to asking and I'm going, I love it. You know, they learned this. This is so cool. You know, right. Um, I think I may have mentioned this, uh, to you before, but let's start with this. Um, when you go into a meeting, stop and listen. Mm. Um, because obviously you, you've got things that you want to share with them, but they're the ones that are potentially going to be paying you to do something for them. And they want to share their story. They've given this a lot of thought and consideration before they've, you know, if you've set a meeting with them, they've, they've spent a couple of days thinking about what it is they want to share with you and let them take that time to share that information. Now that doesn't mean you can't guide them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you, you ultimately are going to have your pat, you know, uh, information, your boilerplate information you're going to share about, you know, here's the value of design and here's what design can do for you. But as you're listening to them, start kind of gathering, make notes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and by the way, <laughs> that's such a critical thing. Um, if you're going to listen to somebody, I don't care if it's on your computer or if it's on a pad of paper, if it's analog or digital, take notes. Mm. One, because you need to, but two, there's nothing more embarrassing than a person who sits there and listens attentively and the person's kind of going, well, back in, you know, 2014, we had $526,000 worth of revenues and they're sharing information with you. You're not going to remember. Right. And they know that, you know, they're, they're expecting you to take notes. So, I mean, that's one of the ways of consciously showing that you have an interest in mm -hmm. what they're telling you. The other thing. Do you is, ever care if somebody's doing it digitally? If somebody, I mean, can you, I can tell if a client cares if I'm doing it digital or analog. Hmm. I, like, you know what? Well, in, in a, the first place, I always take analog notes, but, but I've got people here. I, I write it down, you know, pad of paper, but I have, uh, people here that, uh, uh, take a computer into the meeting and we'll take it down digitally. I've never really noticed a difference, but then again, I'm always analog myself. But you know what I think can be? So my sister is complete uh -huh. digital. I right. think it's about eye contact. You have to know. So if you can type and look at the person, that's yep. a, that's a huge part of it to me. Yep. Because I, I can write. They know I'm writing. I'm not just doodling, right? Yep. But, yep. but if you can make eye contact while you are, I think eye contact is really important. So whether you're digital and you're like, whenever I'm looking down, I'm just taking mm -hmm. notes, right? Yep. I'm yep. filling yep. up my paper. I'm loving it, yeah. But I also think that people can do it digitally, but you have to be able to give eye contact. And so that people know that you're not just texting somebody or, sure. um, or yeah, typing. 
you know, no, nothing is quite the um, kiss of death as them <laughs> thinking that you're just not paying attention to right. them. Right, which can be a big part of a digital. Yeah. Do you know what? Did we talk about this? I had this conversation with somebody, and that really is a, um, especially if you are taking notes on your phone, mm-hmm. um, because you know there's. I, I was in a meeting where somebody was taking notes on their phone and I just kind of kept looking over there. It was somebody from my team and I was kind of going, really? Pay attention, Are right? You? you know, and I thought yeah. they were kind of like on their phone, you know, texting somebody and then it dawned on me, they're taking notes, you know? Yeah. Think, think about the frame of mind. It, it's going to change. If you're talking to somebody who's 50 or 60 or, you know, they're going to have a different perception of it than if you're talking a millennial to a millennial or something like that. Right. But I think that it's important in those beginning conversations to say to the client, Hey, you know what? Judy's going to take her notes on her phone. I just wanted to point that out. She's, you know, just so that if it is somebody from another uh, generation or, or you can just kind of tell. Yeah. So I think kind of getting that stuff out in the beginning then, or you can say, Hey, do you, in the beginning, Judy can say, Hey, do you mind if I take my notes on my phone? Yeah. I think that then people won't think that you're texting or I doing something. I think that's probably a smart idea. I think, you know, if, if, if that comes up, if you're using your phones, other, otherwise, you know, I've also learned how to write without looking at my pad. You know, I keep looking down for my bearings occasionally, but I, you know, I don't have to be looking at the pad right. uh, to, to be able to do that. You know, what a great line of thought. And I'd never really given that a lot of consideration, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, well, I think you're doing it innately. Yeah. So I'm tr- always trying to figure out ways for people who aren't doing it innately. T- they feel awkward or they're doing something. I'm like, well, here's some like soft skills that I think, and you and I talked about this last time. You mm-hmm. were always looking, you were the baby. So you had to yeah. kind of judge and see what, what, what the older sister, siblings were doing yes, wrong. And, and, oh, exactly. that doesn't work. So that you didn't do that. And right. And I think your dad was a salesman and he was a politician yep. and he was doing all yep. these things. So you were watching. And so you saw how people reacted from an sure. early age. Yep. And I think yep. I think if that's not somebody else's story, then they have to know how to recreate that. Because I don't want it to be one thing I always yeah. think with design recharge, it's about hope. And so you you can learn these things too. These are just skills. It, just like somebody learned how to type. You mm-hmm. can also learn how to have better eye contact and it may be uncomfortable or you can learn how to talk to strangers or ask the right questions. And so I just, you know, you got your superpowers and you talk about that a lot, you know, about what people's superpowers are. And I think that we all have our own and mm-hmm. it's, you know, the last thing I want to do is try and make people believe that they have to conform to a certain, you know, uh, methodology in order to achieve something. Because again, we're subjective and we all, you know, we all have a different kind of approach right. to, achieving it. There are people that are much more successful than I am or highly successful that, you know, don't, you know, uh, follow the same path that I do. Um, I will tell you that I, um, uh, my, my humor, I think has always played kind of an important part in uh, my conversations with a client. I think it puts them at ease mm-hmm. um, a little bit. It, it keeps them from feeling that everything has to be uh, you know, uh, it, it, it gives away a little bit of my human quality to them, uh, in there and they don't feel like everything is, uh, so buttoned down, uh, in there. And, and, and I, I I want for people to be happy, you know, and I think, 
Yeah, humor has one of those things that it's this, uh, it's, you take a chance. And I think that's, that's how you've had to do it. And this was one of the, this is probably the last question we're going to get to today, but that's okay. how do you get people to take a chance on something that feels uncomfortable for them? Um, and I think we talked about this with the WSU, um, maybe the wayfinding or something, because mm -hmm. it so, it's so beautiful and I'm going to pull it up, but if that's what you want me to pull up, but how, you know, how do you get somebody, because I think it does have to do with personality to some extent. And, and maybe that's where the humor is because sometimes a joke's going to land and sometimes it's not, but you have to be willing to try. It might it. always land. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to throw it out there unless it works. It's no, you have, <laughs> to, you do have it to try, right? You know, um, so uh, yeah, and feel free to pull the WSU signage up uh, if you'd like. I, so one of the things that I always uh, share with clients is that uh, I, I like to work with people who have good design courage. Mm. Um, I think courage is a really wonderful word to use with your clients because everybody wants to believe they have courage. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it says a little bit about a willingness to take a chance. This happens to be a, a wayfinding project that she's showing you that we did for Wichita State University. We had developed their logo. Uh, those little kernels of uh, wheat that you see mm -hmm. on those were actually part of the uh, uh, logo of the Wichita, Wichita is called the Wheat Shockers, which are those uh, uh, stacks of wheat that you used to see, there you go, out in a field back when farmers mm -hmm. used to uh, shock their wheat or stand it up out in the field before they would let it dry and then harvest it. Anyway, long story short, when we, um, uh, when, when we meet with a client, and Wichita State is uh, a perfect example of this, one of the things that we say is, you know, there are, and, and, and I'm willing to bet you've probably heard this statement before, but people have, can have three different types of impressions of you. Hmm. They can have a positive impression, they can have a negative impression, or they can have no impression at all. Hmm. And the standing thing is always to say that the absolute worst in there is that they have no impression at all. Right. And the way that I change that up is to explain to people that we design in such a way that we're just a little bit more aggressive than you may feel comfortable with. Hmm. But by being a little bit more aggressive, what we do is we eliminate the no impression whatsoever. Memorable. You get memorable, right? We, yep. We, we shift away from no impression. And even though we may raise your negative impressions just a hair, we're going to vastly outpace that by raising your positive impressions with mm. people. And that seems to be something that they understand. Um, mm. Yeah. This, this signage program, if you'll pause right uh, about there, uh, <laughs> these signs were actually just a piece of work to, to make, but beautiful. That, uh, that's a half beautiful. inch aluminum uh, material there that is curved like a taco shell, <laughs> if you will. Mm -hmm. And those pieces are cut out of uh, that. And the throat of these pieces are uh, yellow and you can, you can move on. Okay. The outside of them are black. Uh, except for the wayfinding one, which you're... So is it kind of cut of in so the outside layer was yellow and then the inside layer was black? Yeah, so um, you scroll on uh, either way. Uh, you'll, you'll get... There you go. 
that that's the traditional signage, which mm -hmm. uh, the exterior of them black and the throat of them is yellow. Oh, right, right. It will tell you when the sun is just coming down. Mm -hmm. And you can even see on there the gradation, the color yeah. and the glow. Yeah. It's just amazing to have the light come kind of casting through these. And the shape of the sign itself, that blade, mm -hmm. you know, kind of bent over is kind of like a piece of wheat and mm -hmm. kind of like the logo and reflects that. So mm -hmm. it just worked really incredibly on this uh, particular campus. That's awesome. Okay. And I love how you can see through, you know, yeah. You, yeah. you're obviously seeing through the yellow to sure. the yellow inside, but I, I just love, love that piece. I think it's a, a beautiful. And again, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a story where they had the courage to, to do something unique and wanted to be able to stand out. And it, it's had such an incredible impact on the uh, entire student body out there and the school itself to kind of have a sense of knowing who they are. Well, and pride in, in what they're oh, doing. Yeah. So we also talked about uh, this. I want to just. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, sure. Again, so we have text. Yeah. So you did a, a menu. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, it's like, hey, how did you get somebody <laughs> to take a chance? How did we get to buy something? into that? So I love this story. Can you yeah, share? Yeah, this is Carlos O'Kelly's. And uh, Carlos O'Kelly's is a regional uh, uh, Tex-Mex kind of restaurant. And uh, they, they, you know, they were in a position where their stores were getting dated and they were mm -hmm. going to go in they shut down a few stores and they were opening up a few mm -hmm. others and they wanted to entirely wholesale clean, clean the thing bottom to the top and redo the interiors and everything. And what we did on this was uh, we, we pretended that uh, basically we were in some village in Mexico and that we had to create a menu out of things that we found on the street. So it was kind of like bits and pieces and shards of papers and wrappers and uh, the typography and all of these elements came together with this amount of grunge in there. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and, it, and it's got some real grit to it. But at the same time, there's this wonderful kind of spark of color that goes on in here. Mm -hmm. And there's this kind of spark of authenticity. The photography is still nice and the likes. But when you look at all of these materials together, not just the menus, but the signage for the place and the inside, you get this sense that, you know, there was context that somebody mm -hmm. thought about this project from the bottom up and that all the pieces merged together. Well, it just really has uh a lot of fun. I actually yep. don't think that the photos of the food is as important as the rest of it because it's setting the tone. I do think the the margarita is important. Yep. But yeah. Uh, and to be honest, all the photography was in their archive at the time we were working. Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of what can we do with this existing right. photography to kind of incorporate it into this. But uh, it ended up having a dramatic impact on um, their own customer base. And it lifted the aesthetic to the point mm -hmm. that people uh, sensed that, you know, it wasn't just another night at Carlos O'Kelly's right. you know, putting the you know, uh, sombrero on because it was my birthday. Um, you know, it's, it really was, you know, just, well, just a great experience. It was an ROI, right? You had a return on your investment yep. by yep. doing this. You were able to increase price uh, or increase. Uh, they had more they people were able coming to in. Up their sales. It right. was one of those things where, you know, everybody um, uh, kind of agreed across the board that it just changed the personality in such a way that the people that worked there felt much better mm -hmm. about it. The people that came there felt much better about it, you know, just a change of personality across the board. Yeah. So Emily says, um, uh, margaritas are important. 
For sure. So I guess for for me, having those pieces and Mm -hmm. being able to kind of get somebody to trust you, I think that's that is definitely one of your superpowers. But I think they trust you (laughs) because you listen and you really understand maybe what they're doing. But we had talked about this last time. I wanted Uh to say this. Um, It's I think one thing a lot of designers don't do is we don't come back and. Um, ask them, Hey, how, how are you doing this week? Or how you've launched the menu? How's last month? How are your numbers? Because we get done and it's over, but really if we want to kind of be more of that team partner, we can say, Hey, I'm so glad you're serving as my memory here because you know, there's so much that we've talked about, but, and that really is true. I mean, if, um, you know, imagine you have a friend that goes into the hospital and mm-hmm. you go up to the hospital to visit them and, you know, kind of check in as a mandatory check-in, but you never get back to them. Would mm-hmm. you ever do that? You know, probably not. You, they're your friend. And, right. you know, I mean, you, you have a level of commitment to them. So you want to know how things are. And think of clients in the very same way. Not necessarily thinking of them in the hospital, but think <laughs> of them as, you know, um, they, they've made an investment in you and the, you know, there, there's no greater sign of a huckster than, you know, somebody that you never see again. Right. Um, um, have you ever heard a, I'm, I've got to go off on my, on, on my little side tangent here for just a second and share a last story. Uh, somebody told me the definition of blue sky laws. Have you ever heard of blue sky laws? And mm-hmm. I, I, I never knew that blue sky laws were uh, such a bad deal, but this was the attorney that was sharing this. Um, so back at the turn of the last century, and I'm here in Kansas where rain is really important, especially if you want a crop to come in. Right. And when there would be a drought, rainmakers, there really were rainmakers, would show up with these contraptions and these machines that they would say, here, now this is going to bake rain, but what you've got to do is you've got to crank this thing. Now the whole community's got to get behind this. You've got to crank this thing and turn it for a week. And after you've done this for a week, then you're going to have rain come in. So they would sell them this thing. And the reason they had them crank that thing for about a week was because it gave them enough time to get far enough away that you couldn't catch them when you found out it didn't make rain that it didn't make rain because after a week you still had blue skies. So that's where blue sky laws came in was, you know, somebody coming in and selling you a load of goods and then just leaving and don't find yourself in that position. I mean, if, if, if you've done a great job for this client, they are going to be a client of yours for life. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, and, and if they aren't at that company for life, I guarantee where they go, they'll be your client there. So because you're helping them grow their business. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you, you want to get back to them and you want to find out how things uh, turned out. You want to find out whether this menu ended up selling more margaritas or not. And if it didn't, why not? And let's figure that out and let's work with them so that they can sell more margaritas. You know, they would much rather work with somebody who already, you know, knows them and they don't have to reeducate than to start all over. Always think about the client's frame of mind there because, you know, ultimately the client wants good for themselves and they want you to do good. You know, they, they it's a win-win for both of them. So I have a client who gives me a monthly calendar and I have to put it up on the website. I'm not going to wait till the second 
to ask her for the calendar. I'm going to try to do it on the 20th. And then yep. I just have a, a calendar reminder in me. So then she doesn't necessarily always think of me as like bugging her, but she knows I'm not going to let her miss that deadline. Not because it's important to me whether or not we're on the second or the first or whatever, but that yeah. she knows that I know that it's important to them to get that and meet that deadline. Sure. She's busy. So we just need to set, these might not be um, typical things that we always uh, you know, always check on, but yep, about the yep. menu, the menu launched, you know, maybe we do a one month kind of talk and then we do See how important that is. Yep. Part. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely important. <laughs> Amy says she wants a margarita. Well, I, you know what? It's so easy. <laughs> uh, let me, I'll be right back. I'm going to whip one up for Amy. I'll be right back. <laughs> so Bill, we are out of time, but okay. I want to make Thank sure you. everybody knows ways to get uh, in touch with you, ways to follow you and to make sure that I'm, um, I'm a terribly hard person to get in touch with. No, I kid you. Uh, <laughs> I'm bill at gardener period. That's it. No, don't and put Gardner it. G-A-R-D-N-E-R. That's correct. Design. So design.com. And so I'm going to put all these things up, but so you can always do logo lounge.com. So don't forget about that. Yes. The um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn is Logo Lounge. On on uh, LinkedIn, it's Logo Lounge dot com or hyphen com or something. And then Pinterest also. That Pinterest would be a great place for you to look at uh, and follow Logo Lounge. Yeah, then, you're naming things that I don't even know my addresses for, but my my people do. So they I know they and they send it to me. Them. So I'm I'm <laughs> putting all this in there, and then. For Gardner Design, it's again. Yeah. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna spell it because some okay. people spell it with an extra e. You know, so I just yeah, want to make sure. So G A R G A R D N E R D E S I G N. So Gardner yep. Design. It kind of looks like nerd when in the middle, really. Hey, but I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, I would be if good I with that part, too. It's all good. GardnerDesign.com. I will also put in the show notes and in the YouTube, if you're watching the LinkedIn, um, the lynda.com or LinkedIn learning with yep. the actual link that they need to go to, to see that course that you have on the, um, cool. The I didn't realize when you put that up, your little icon of your picture, are you laying on a blanket with a, a dog? What's the little picture? Oh, that? oh yeah. Is that, is, I don't see an icon, but oh, well, it's just it a, I'm drawing up, it on up your a little icon. And mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you're lounging on a I, on a blanket outdoor. It's kind I of like am. it was a it was a I was trying to be a you know sketching <laughs> and so somebody was taking uh, <laughs> pictures for me. So maybe, maybe um, not so good. But uh, it, it's not wheat. I love the wheat in Kansas. Uh, sure. Yeah, I do too. It's part of our heritage, and it it's such a wonderful story. The wheat here. Mm. For sure. It looks like the ocean when you're driving across. When I used to live in Colorado and I would drive back, it looks like the ocean. It has waves like the ocean. So here's what people don't realize is that the wheat, um, uh, wheat goes in in the winter. 
uh, you, you, you plan it. So uh, very early, it, and I'm talking like in uh, February, March, you start driving through Kansas. It looks like we've got the most beautiful green grass you have ever seen. Wheat okay. is actually a, it's in the grass family. Mm -hmm. So as it starts coming up, it just looks like, man, they have got the best green grass <laughs> here. This is just amazing. And it's wheat, you know, it's just kind of coming up and just starting. And uh, by the time you harvest it, there's always a film crew that ends up sending their film crew to Kansas to harvest uh, wheat mm -hmm. or to film harvesting of wheat in the autumn. It doesn't happen in the autumn. It happens in the early summer. Um, so, you know, by that point, it's, it's done. But uh, wheat's our heritage. Mm, for sure. And it's, it's beautiful. So it um, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you. Next week, we have a, a weird time because we're interviewing somebody in Singapore. My Delion, she is um, a lettering artist and she has an amazing story and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So um, I hope you guys will join. It's going to be at 8 p.m. our time, Bill, central time. Okay, sweet. We'll log it in. And so then it's going to be 9 p.m. Eastern and you can uh, 6 p.m. for Pacific time. So... It's going to be a little later than normal, but hope, hopefully you guys will. If anybody um, can manage it, you can. <laughs> I hope so. I think I'll be at home doing it, but we had a pretty good signal last time. So hopefully her and I will, will get it and it'll be great. But she's really got a great story, uh, a huge story of hope and just really, really from. Um, oh, that's great. Super inspiring. So Bill, thank you. And if you guys hey, want happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Gotcha. That's right. Uh, I didn't dress up, but you did for both of no, us. No, it's, it's, it's so all good. <laughs> so Go log on to Logo Lounge and watch the watch the logos change, guys. Throw some right. on there. For sure. And hopefully you okay. guys get them in. I'm going to plop, plop this up right now. And hopefully we'll see you next week. And you can always reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Design Recharge. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Diane.